we just have to give God some praise because we are in the sanctuary today. We are socially distant from one another. We have our HEPA filter going. We are good. We have our reminders on the floor to tell us to remain distant from one another. We are ready. We are ready. So greetings and good morning. I'm glad to be with you all today. I'm glad that there are those in the parking lot even still. There are those that are at home watching virtually, but I'm just especially glad to see faces in this sanctuary. Amen, amen. So as I'm up here, I'm gonna need some help from you all, okay? We're gonna do an old faithful, an old faithful one. It's gonna help us to rejoice this morning. So just get yourselves ready and geared up, okay? Get your minds clear, because we're gonna bless the Lord. But before we bless the Lord, let us go before him in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are rejoiceful this morning. We are so glad to be in the sanctuary for our service today. You are mighty, Lord. You are gracious, and you are our Savior. We are glad that we are your children. You've grafted us unto your wing, Lord, and we're just grateful to you for who you are, what you do, how you love us, unconditionally, by the way, unconditionally, Lord, because we falter, and so we're glad that we can turn to you in our time of need, in our time of joy, in our time of sorrow, in our time of gladness, Lord. We're here on this day, today, Sunday, to fellowship, to receive your word, to help it apply in our hearts and in our minds so that we may be ultimately servants of you. We pray for those not with us today, we pray for those that are lost, Lord God, and we hope that those that hear your word today are convicted by your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and give thanks. Amen. 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 So, once again, old faithful, I'm going to need your help. I don't have anybody up here, right? So, get your hands together. We're going to bless Lord of 
grace Holy one ancient of days I will bless the Lord Bless the Lord at all times I will bless the Lord Bless the Lord at all times I will bless the Lord Bless the Lord at all times I will bless the Lord Bless the Lord at all times When I'm lost and all alone Feeling like my strength is gone With no wind to call my own And no one to call on the phone I will lift my hands And call his precious name Cause he's always been there And he promised he'd never change When tears stream down my face I put on a garment of praise Cause my ways are not his ways And my thoughts will soon fade away I will sing the song of the Lord And praise him even more Cause he's the one I'm living for And he's the one I adore On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday Sunday will be here Cause we know we got a reason To give you all the glory To give you all the praise Cause when we're in our sin You wash them all away Now some glad morning When this life is over I'm gonna put on my wings And I'm gonna tell the story Of how you brought me out To bring me in You've been right there Through thick and through thin Now some glad morning When this life is over I'm gonna put on my wings And I'm gonna tell the story Of how you brought me out To bring me in You know what's best for me What's best for me in the end I will bless the Lord I will bless the Lord Will you bless the Lord? Come and bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Will you bless the Lord? Come and bless the Lord. We will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Will you bless the Lord? Come and bless the Lord. Yes, let's bless the Lord. We will bless the Lord. Come and bless the Lord. Yes, we'll bless the Lord. Yes, we'll bless the Lord. He has done great things for me, so I will. He has done great things for me, so I will. He has done great things for me, so I will. Has he done great things for you, so will you? He has done great things for me. 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 So I will bless the Lord. Bless the
congregational choir out there. I heard y'all. Yes, yes. I know, once again, I know we are in the sanctuary, and I have said that before, but we are in the sanctuary together today. That's just marvelous, and I'm just so glad. And I just want to thank our leadership for working this out, making this happen. This is not an easy task. It is not an easy task to make sure that we can be safe, socially distant, but still be together, still come together as a congregation, as a body of Christ, as a unit to fellowship to fellowship. So let us tell the Lord that we love him on this morning, and we are also going to exalt him this morning because he's magnificent and he's glorious and he loves us. simple words. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you.
the sanctuary, everybody. Amen. We're here to praise and worship our Lord. We're here to worship him. He's glorious. He's worthy. He's magnificent. Do you take joy in our Lord? Do you take joy in him? Because he takes joy in us when we reach out to him. Right? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So now we're going to exalt him. You ready to exalt him? You ready to exalt him? Let's move together. Yes. In, our, in the extension of our limbs, that we can move. Let's not take advantage of that. Right? We can clap, we can rejoice. Okay, here we go, we exalt thee.
word this morning, but I heard you all. I heard you all. We sound like a full sanctuary, a mass choir in our congregation, because you know what? Our Lord is good and we love him. We are here to proclaim that he is our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, God. Good morning, Solid Word. Oh, come on, y'all can do better than that. I know we don't have any horns to honk, but good morning, Solid Word. We are inside. I praise the Lord for us being able to worship wherever we are. But I am glad that this morning here is where we are. As a matter of fact, I liked what Sister Melanie said. She said, you sound like a mass choir. But I'm going to say you actually sound like a masked choir. And so I'm really glad this morning that we are able to be here and to be able to worship the Lord inside of the building as we have been able to worship the Lord outside of the building. What you've been able to witness, what you've been able to experience is that it doesn't matter your location as long as your heart is in the right location and that it doesn't matter where you are just as long as you are where he is. And so we've experienced that over these months when we've had to suspend being inside since March. And now that we were able to um, have service in our homes, I was speaking to an empty place. And I'm telling you right now, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done is to be able to imagine people where there is no women, where there are no people that 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 I would be able to imagine faces and and. For some of y'all, you are so you are so regular. You you are so traditional in where you sit. I was able to picture some people sitting exactly where they were. Some of y'all I had to imagine, but some of you I didn't. But then we were able to move outside as the weather permitted. And I don't know if you realize we've only had one Sunday all summer long that I had to come inside because it started to rain, but I gave up too soon because it stopped raining and I could have met outside that week. And so on every Sunday, now you have to understand, uh, for those of you that are watching that may not even be from Indiana, uh, from, from Indiana, you have to understand Indiana. For us to have good weather every Sunday during the summer in Indiana is a work of God. And so we were glad that he gave us that. And that last Sunday, even though I wasn't here, that you guys were able to celebrate and to close out our outside service. Thanks so much to Elder Wright. And as he preached us out so that I'd be able to come in. And so we thank you. And all of you that have served, Sister Melanie has not missed a beat, whether it was a pre-recorded worship or whether it was outside worship or inside worship, we were grateful that she and some of y'all that have helped her has been able to step up to the plate and to make sure that, the, that, that we were led well in worship. A few things that I do want to share just about us coming inside. We will continue to meet like this until things change for us and in our environment. 
I praise God that we've been able to distance, that we've been able to set things up. I do ask that you continue to follow that. One of the things that I want to make sure that we know is that there is no other than us congregating inside this part of the building, that once we are done, that we congregate outside the building and that we don't use any of our spaces that look like they're wide open to stop and have a conversation and that we're able to move on outside. We have this door open so that we get some flow going through all the way. Um, please know that other than the little bugs that were at the door trying to get in, um, that, that, that we are being watched well. Um, our, our officer who is outside, he has got us covered. He said, don't worry, I got both doors covered and so we can relax and be fine. And so this morning, I want us to be able to rejoice just like you were if you were outside. I know the only difference is that you have your face covered, but I just pray that we are able to relax, worship, hear the word, and then when we're done, fellowship outside. And so let's just remember that and please follow the instructions of our ushers. We have worked hard and well and I thank them. We have worked on our strategy, our inflow and our outflow. You will be dismissed by rows or by sections. And I ask that you follow that. Um, um, yes, you can use the restrooms. Um, there are instructions there as well for you to follow. So we are set. We have everything in place. I do want to thank even my staff um, for getting everything set up today so that we are safe. And so this morning, we are going to embark upon a new series, a new adventure. I had been mentioning this along for those of us that had experienced our community groups in our first set, in our first session, in our first series. We were looking at gospel-shaped living, which we know is underneath the banner of the gospel-shaped church. We know that we've been hearing that since we've been brought into being by the gospel, that's what birthed the church is that that is that the gospel that we heard we responded to is that same gospel that we must live by and so if we were brought into being by the gospel it makes sense that we would live by that gospel and so we said that it is a seven part series or or or, or seven sessions seven um seven tracks of a curriculum um, and so we'll be going through track number two. And like we did with the first one, I'm going to be taking us through this series so that uh, on Sundays I will be given the messages for that particular week. And so just understand, although your group may not meet every week, I will be going through seven sessions, which would help just bring to light a bit more what you're going to be studying. It is not too late if you're not a part of a group, if you want to become a part of one, to let us know. You will need to contact the office tomorrow. Deborah will be happy and glad to be able to get you set up. Um, you can get your books. This particular one is in red, Gospel-Shaped Mercy. And in this particular one, we are going to be looking at what God intended his world to be that when God brought this into being, he didn't intend for it to be chaos. He didn't intend for it to be the mess that we see. What he intended when he, when, when he created it was a world of, 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 of peace 
and of flourishing under his lead. We do know sin has marred that. Sin has caused that stain to run all through it, everything. As a matter of fact, each and everything that's a part of this world on this planet, in this ball, has been marred by sin. So don't be surprised and don't be naive to think that there isn't a part of our society that is not touched by sin. Every piece of it, everything that man has his hand on and in has been tainted, dirtied, soiled, and marred by sin. And yet, because of God's plan, because of his love, because of his mercy, he has sent Christ, and Christ now is that answer who has positionally, for those who will receive what he's done, place them back in relationship with God in the way that it was intended. But we also know that we're in this what's called this already but not yet tension to where God has set things in motion and things are as he desires positionally, but we have to be able to experience it practically. And so we know one day completely we will sit before the Lord in the fullness of all that he had intended. This world will be what he has intended when his plan is complete, when all things are fulfilled and his kingdom comes into full view. And so until then, we work out what he has desired in the various areas of our life. And in mercy, what we're going to see is that God intends for humans to flourish as they're in him, understanding that the tension of sin is always there for us to battle with and us to deal with. And yet we are to be the most merciful and just people on the planet. Because of what God has done in us and what he is doing through us and because of his mercy toward us, we should be able to now demonstrate this mercy out to our world. We should be able to show the mercy that God gave to us to this world that is lost and dying. And so we're going to be looking at that. So this morning, I just want to take us through briefly um, as an intro to this, and then we'll get into this first session, this whole issue of shalom or peace, the way God has intended. When we hear that word shalom or peace, typically what we think of is the absence of conflict, of, of, of warring parties being together and being in one. That's what we think of. And, and yet there's more to shalom um, than just, although that's a critical part of it, um, um, of, of us being in the absence of conflict. Along with that, and you'll see it as we study, as you start your group, shalom also speaks of wholeness, fullness, and completeness in an environment of flourishing. And we see that as well in scripture. And so as we jump in this morning, we're going to pray and then we're going to lead in scripture. I'm going to jump you around just a little bit so that we get our intro straight. And then we're going to get into this whole issue of shalom, the world the way God had intended. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that this morning, Lord, we can be with you. Thank you, Lord, for being inside like this. Thank you, Lord, that regardless of our location, that you are here. Lord, that regardless of where we worship, Father, wherever we worship, you are there because you are in us. Thank you, Lord, that wherever we gather, oh God, you are sanctioning that and you are allowing us to grow and to worship and to experience you, Lord, because of what you've done. Thank you for how you've graced us outside. Thank you, Lord, for how you've helped us, oh Lord, to be able to worship, to be able to sing and praise and fellowship. God, in our parking lot, thank you for this facility, God, that you've allowed us to do that. Thank you for the people that have been encouraged, Lord, through the work of your children and the preaching of your word. Thank you for everyone, Lord, that has joined in and that, Lord, has put their hand to the plow to make what we have had happen, happen. We thank you for that. And so, Father, this morning we ask right now that you would continue to help us, oh God. Father, that you would continue to work in our hearts and in our lives, that you would continue to speak to us and that we would continue to listen. I pray, oh God, that you would help us, Lord, that as we hear your word, Lord, that they just wouldn't tickle our ears, uh, Lord, that, 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 that it wouldn't just make us feel good, but God, we would listen intently, looking forward to what we will do as a result of what we have heard. I pray, God, that you will help us to be reflective and to be responsive, Lord, so that we can represent you well. And so, Father, we thank you again for all that you've done, what you're going to do. I pray that you would encourage everyone here today and everyone that is watching or listening, O Lord. I pray that indeed, This would be a time in which they are pointed toward you and by looking at you and following you, they would flourish. Father, may your people be strong in you, Father, as they hold on to you. And so we commit this time to you. We commit our week to you. Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done and for who you are. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Now, if you want to find out how God had intended everything, you turn to the book in in which he has started everything. And that's, of course, in the book of Genesis and that you see how we have what we have here. And so if you turn with me just real quick, you can see in Genesis chapter one, um, verses 26 through 28, God had created this perfect world this wonderful world, and then after he created this environment for man to flourish, and many of us, if not all of us, are familiar with the word, it says in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, I mean, uh, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea 
and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And understand here, God's intention was one of after he had created the environment, it was one to where humans would flourish under his dominion, but having dominion over the environment that he created for them to be in. And so you look now and you say, well, whoa, we seem to be a far, far way off from what God had intended. Well, we know what happened in chapter three. Now, remember, God said everything and he blessed them. He set them up. He established them. And what happened after that was the result of man and not God. Let me just pause there for a moment. When we look around of all the havoc and all the sin that has been happening and all the expression of sin that has been happening from the top in our world all the way down to the bottom and from the bottom up all the way to the top, when we see the sin that is being demonstrated, don't blame God. When you want to look at this, don't go, God, where are you? Don't say, God, what have you done? God, what are you doing? I want to take you back to what he's already done. He said, what I done, I, you know, I did it in the beginning. I set it up right. I established it. As a matter of fact, I even blessed it. And I gave you authority and I gave you dominion, but you messed it up. And so when we are tempted to blame God, I think we need to turn and pull up that mirror and who we see in the mirror is who's to blame. I hear many people today mocking and scoffing. Where is God? Why should I believe in God in this world that's a mess? Why should I believe in God in this place that's just, it, 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 it seems to be downtrodden? And, and there's no justice and there's no holiness and there's no righteousness and there's nothing there. I turn you back to Genesis chapter one and say, God said it right. We messed it up. And God could have just erased us all and started over. He could have said, okay, I'm going to have a do over here. I'm going to create another set of beings and we'll do this thing again but instead he didn't do that he had a plan but we realized that in chapter three that there was this fall and that we listened to him whom had no authority who had not blessed us who had not made the environment for us who had not set us up I'm helping somebody today in that Don't go to the one who had nothing to do with establishing you to try and find the right way to live. He's still doing it today. Somebody right now is listening to Satan's whispering in your ear, trying to tell you that the way that he has is better than the way that the one who established it all has, that somehow God messed it up, that somehow he's not doing this right. He's not for you. He doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to flourish. But I got a better plan for you if you just follow it. As a matter of fact, I really don't have much of a plan. I just want to question the plan that God has. You don't believe me? 
When you look at the scripture, he came to Eve and said, did God really say? Hold on a second, partner. Is that your plan? Your plan is to question God's plan. If you want to come stronger than God, you've got to come with a plan better than God. I sat here months ago before COVID in Georgetown Market. And I think I shared this before, but this story sits well. I was talking with a young man. He had seen me reading the book and he asked me what I thought about what I was reading. And I told him and we started this conversation about Christ. And he talked about I had gone to church, but from what I saw, I have a problem, you know, following the church. And I said, well, I said, I really want to help you. I don't follow the church. I follow Christ. And then he asked me a question. He said, why do you follow Christ? Why don't you follow something or someone else that's out in the world? I said, great question, bro. I said, wonderful question. I said, let me tell you, when I look at the scriptures and when I see all that Christ fulfilled that was prophesied over the years, which would have been impossible for any human to fulfill, when I see the change that he has done, when I seen the life that he has lived, which has been documented and it has been well documented and it is valid, when I see what he's done in the lives around me of the people I know, I said, but ultimately when I see the change that he's made in my life, I said, tell you what, when someone else comes stronger than Jesus, he didn't even let me finish the sentence. He said, you'll follow him. I said, exactly. I said, so the deal for you and I is I don't have time to waste trying to listen to someone who tells me they have a better plan, to someone that tells me that they can set me up much better. When you come stronger than the 66 books, when you come stronger with the fulfilled prophecy, with the dying on the cross for my sin, and ultimately the resurrection from the dead, showing himself on that day to over 500 people, when you can set on fire 12 men who changed the world and who caused people all around the world to have their lives changed, when you do all that, then come talk to me. Then tell me about your plan. But until then, all you're doing is whispering in my ear. And that's exactly what Satan did to Eve. And she believed it. She listened to it. She was influenced by it. And then, of course, Adam, her husband, listened, and he was the one that was given the plan. And so he went headlong with her into that disobedience. And we get in chapter 3, when indeed we found out God come down, and now God had... Um, God had judgment for them all. Chapter three, verse 15, we went from being blessed with powers of dominion. And he says to the serpent, hmm, I will put enmity, I mean, sorry, enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And then we see from that point on, that the breakdown of what God had intended. Number one, that first breakdown was the breakdown spiritually. The relationship with God was broken and it wasn't going to be until Christ came to set it right and for our forgiveness as we repented, would we not be reconciled to God? Christ came to reconcile us to God. That's why he came. Because it was broken. So the breakdown, first of all, happened spiritually. Then we see the breakdown happened around us as well. It happened physically. 
because at that particular time, when they did what they were not supposed to, death entered the scene. And when they sinned, they now were going to die. And so physically, the breakdown happened. Then it happened around us on our earth because Romans tells us in chapter 8 that the whole creation groans, that they are moaning because of how sin has caused everything and even creation to be warped, to be mutated. And so it says that creation is even looking forward to and waiting for that time when the sons and daughters of God are glorified. In other words, when it gets back to the way that it should be. And so physically, but then also relationally, the breakdown came because we see what happened here. They started blaming one another. Whenever God came down and spoke to the one in whom he had given the charge to, he didn't go to Eve first. He went to the dude. He said, look, I came, I gave you that directive. And he said, where are you? I, he said, I'm hiding myself because I'm naked. Who told you that you were naked? And then he goes into what have you done? And what did he do? First thing he did was it's that woman. Look, he threw God under the bus. At least he thought he could. He said, it is that woman that you gave me. Wow, Adam. If it were today, Eve would have looked at him and said, wow, you turned quick. You threw me under the bus right away. But that's what sin does. Relationally, it broke down. And then what Eve did is that she blamed the serpent. And the relationship now was one of opposition, of enmity, of being in conflict with one another. The breakdown had happened. And then the breakdown ends individually because we now bring, just as Adam, we now experience fear and shame and nakedness and guiltiness. All those things are the result of sin. And it keeps going on that when we are outside of the right relationship with God, what ends up happening? We end up feeling the distance from God. We end up under. We end up down. We end up disobedient. And so what we see that has happened is that the world that God has intended has been marred because of the disobedience of man. And because of that, God had to set a plan in place that would now put us in a position that we can be reconciled again. And let me tell you right now, all that is nothing but the mercy of God. What is mercy? Okay, I know we've heard mercy is that, you know, is that quote unquote favor where you don't have it. And it seems very simplistic. It is deeper and it is greater than that. It is that whole thought of a sovereign looking upon and granting favor to those that should not be in his presence. You have no right. You have no authority. You have nothing and they bring you in. Mercy is purely based on the will of the one granting it and has nothing to do with the one that received it. Many of us today, we talk about God's mercy, but secretly in our minds, we are thinking, I, you know, I know why God did this because I had some part in it. It was because of how I acted. It's because I've been going to church all the time. It's because I've been 
praying a little bit. It's because I'm not as bad as my neighbor. It's because I kind of listened to my parents growing up. Let me help you out. God's response to you has nothing to do with you. And if you embrace that, it will set you free. Why? Because then you will stop this performance based living that thinks that if I'm just good enough, God will hear me. That if I dance enough, God will hear me. If I show up to service enough, God will hear me. If I just pray enough, God will hear me. If I read long enough, God will hear me. Now, are any of those things bad in and of themselves? No, because I don't read to get God's approval. I read so I can understand who God is and thus live the way he wants. When I pray, I don't pray so that I can check off on the list and get God's approval. I pray so that I can communicate with the one that I know is real and that I want to hear back from him by reading his word. I want to temper my heart by humbling myself to talk to God on a regular basis. So the deal becomes God's mercy for you. Please understand this. If there's nothing else, God's response to you has nothing to do with you. You had nothing to do with it. And so because of that, God has set it into motion. And now I'm going to tell you the good news. He set it into motion in Colossians when he says, he is the image, verse 15. He said, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. He was part of the let us make man back then. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And who are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus Christ. He is the one that set it in motion. He is the one that made it jump down to verse 19 for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, shalom, by the blood of his cross. Verse 21, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I'm going to stop there. Where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. Where Adam abdicated his authority, gave it up, Listening to another human um, instead of listening to God where Eve gave it up, listening to the one that had nothing to do with the environment that she was in, had nothing to do with creating her, had nothing to do with anything about her. She listened to him and failed. And where Adam and even where Eve failed, Jesus succeeded. He said he reconciled us to him first. And then through us, he has given us, if you go to Corinthians, the ministry of reconciliation, that we are calling people back to God. Why? Because we've been brought back to God. And so when we look at this picture of mercy, when we look at how God wants us to work and to live, to bring this earth 
into um, practically where, what he has intended. Pause for a second. No, we are not trying to create a utopia. We know indeed what God's message says that one, that one day everything that's here, he says it will burn and that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. But we work to bring about the dominion of God on earth as he is bringing it all into fullness. So we don't live fatalistically. What do I mean? We don't live saying, well, it's all going to burn, so I might as well just go on and do it. Um, 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 I, I, this is not going to be here, so I might as well live like I want. I read this this week. I love it. Someone wrote, listen, I like, you know, people, people like to say life is short. Enjoy it. They said, how about this? Eternity is long. Prepare for it. And I love that because we like to hear life is short. Enjoy it. Hmm. You know what? My deal is life in short. Find out how God wants you to live it and live it because eternity is long. Prepare for it. And what we realize today, God's intended world was one of human flourishing. And so when he sets his people out on course, when he sets his people in motion, they are the ones that are set to be those that represent him in the world, exhibiting and demonstrating his mercy that they've received firsthand. And because of that, the world sees Christ and becomes reconciled to him because of, in part, the mercy that you extend. And so I'm not going to finish this this week. This will be the only two-parter because I wanted this to be an intro for us as we get started. And so we see on that the world that God has intended, we see that it was derailed. We see that it was broken. We see that it did not come about in the way that he had intended. And so as a result, what we realize Thought I had my page marked here. Sorry about that. Um, as a result that we realize is because of sin, we are now living with the tension that one day all things will be made right. But in the meantime, we are making things right through how we live. See, we have this notion. We've been we've believed this thing that we should just kind of step back from our world. And just kind of let it go as we are insulated in our in our godly, in our religious, in our Christian bubble. And we don't interact with our world because God's going to come and take me away one day. For some of you that are old enough, you remember that commercial Calgon, take me away. And you saw the woman that was sitting there with all the Calgon suds and everything hiding in the bathroom away from everything else is there. And for many of us, that's our version of Christianity is that I get saved. I find my bubble. I hide in it. And when God comes, he gets me out of here. Jesus, take me away. And God did not intend that. As a matter of fact, what we see is actually demonstrated through Christ. He didn't hide from his world. He engaged fully in his world. As a matter of fact, 
all the opposition he received is because he was in the world. Let me help you out just a little bit for this litmus test for your life. Litmus test. If there is no opposition in your life by the way you are living, if there are no people that are opposing you living according to biblical mandates, if there are no people that are misunderstanding how you stand and how you live, um, although they kind of shake their heads because they see your love and they see your mercy for them and they see your kind heartedness and they see your uh, um, the way that you are, are are filled with justice and equity. And yet they don't understand why you don't join in with all of what they do. If that does not represent you, you have to ask yourself the question, am I actually walking with Christ? See, when Jesus walked this earth, those, especially those that had it good and that he was messing up their thing, he was messing up their gig, those were the people that were the most upset with him. And as a matter of fact, in that time, it was the religious, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had the most to lose in their mind, not understanding that they had the most to gain because Jesus had appeared. But in their eyes, he was going to mess up. He was going to take away the people's allegiance that, that, that they thought they had. They didn't realize that they were only ruling by fear instead of ruling by love and obedience. That, that, that it was going to mess up their privileged position, that it was going to mess up their status because they were no longer seen as elite. And if you don't believe me, just stroll through the Gospels and see whenever Jesus was opposed by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and what it was around. And yes, ultimately, they did not like him because he claimed to be God, but he also demonstrated that he was God. And they realized if we don't kill this dude, which always amazed me, if a man is doing these kinds of miracles and demonstrating that kind of power, why on earth do you think you can actually end him? I didn't quite understand that. He worked like no other prophet. He spoke like no other prophet. He lived like no other prophet. They had not seen anyone like him. Even Moses didn't compare. And yet they thought we need to kill this guy because we need to get rid of him. And I would tell you, if you and I are not out there, are not involved in people's lives to where people believe that we are messing up their gig, that people believe that we are making things difficult for them to get over on people, that we are messing up how we are making things right. We are living clean and pure, and yet we are not putting up with your games. No, I'm not joining in with your foolishness, but what I'm doing is I'm not living for myself. I'm actually living for God and helping others and is making those who would gain from sin mad. If your life is not characteristic of that, and I know God has us involved in different ways and at different levels, but at some level, somebody should be mad at you because you're standing up for righteousness, not pointing the finger, but out there with people, helping them to know and to see who God is. If that's not you, ask yourself some serious questions. Stop fooling yourself.
Don't make yourself believe just because you show up to a service in a parking lot or inside a building that somehow you're right with God. Don't fool yourself to thinking just because I crack open my Bible and I read a few verses and I check off my devotion, I pull out my daily bread and I read some things and I give mental assent. Yes, God, that's true, but I have no intention of it changing my life. Don't think that that makes you somebody that's following God. What God has given us is saying, look, that I have representatives in this world who are making things right the way that I intended it to be. And because they are doing it, there are people that will oppose them every step of the way, not wanting them to bring people to Christ, not wanting them to help those that are hurting, not wanting them to bring justice where there is injustice, God's way, not man's way. And so we understand clearly if, I am one who is following Christ. I have God's approval and I may have quite a few people's disapproval. And if you can't take that, then maybe the gospel is too much for you. I hope that's not the case. If you can't stay and be an ostracized, it's going to be tough for you to be a Christian. If you can't if you can't be misunderstood, it's going to be tough for you to be a believer. If you have to have everyone loving on you and everyone approving of your lifestyle, it is going to be tough for you to be a Christian. Now, I'm not saying that you got to go out there intentionally trying to be contrary. There are those like that. Every time you turn around, they just want to tell you what they're there, what they are opposed to. That's not what God's talking about. When you speak Christ, when you live Christ, it will be a natural opposition to your world. But it will also be endearing because they will see, just like they saw in Christ, the love, the compassion, the mercy. When Jesus dealt with hurting people, he didn't stand and say, well, you know, you should have been if you weren't in that position. Had you had you just listened if you if you didn't. And look, that's your fault, man. When I look at the woman at the well, he didn't come to her and say, well, if you hadn't been with all these people and messed up, if you had done what you should, you wouldn't have been in that mess. You out here at noon burning up in the sun because it's your fault. But what did he do instead? He pointed this woman. Oh, he dealt with her sin. Don't think that he just let you slide. Oh, Jesus knows who I am. That's why he's preaching. To, that's why he's talking the truth for you, because he knows who you are. I had someone one time that tell me, young man in our neighborhood back in Brooklyn, he said, yeah, you know, Mr. Cox, because he was constantly, constantly getting into trouble. And we had, I just remember, we were standing in the middle of the street because I saw him. I'm not going to say his name. And I saw him. I said, man, what you doing, man? I said, what you doing? He said, I said, look, look, I asked him that question about Christ. He said, you know, come on, Mr. Costin, you know, you know, me and me and God got an understanding. I said, yeah, he understands that you ain't following him. I said, what you going to do? And some of us are like, you know, you know, me and God got this understanding. God lets me sin and I'm OK. You don't know God. His mercy may be in play. But his plan is not in play. And for you and I today, if we are going to understand, if we are going to allow God 
to let shalom reign through us and in our world, it will happen as a result of us following his heart, his plan for mercy. Now, I had to set that up as that intro because everything we do is going to be based on that. We have to look back to what God intended. What did he mean for his world to look like? Humanity was supposed to flourish under his leadership and under his dominion, and they themselves would have dominion once they understood dominion properly. And because of that, they would have his heart when they're dealing with the world. But when they start to listen to those voices that are outside of God whispering in their ear, they will do that which is apart from God and thus will misrepresent him. And so I say to us today, as we look into this whole thing of shalom, the world made beautiful, we're going to look at how God calls us to be agents of putting things back together through Christ. We're going to look at next week, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. It's going to be very familiar stories. There are two. Within a story is that God, I mean, Jesus on his way to being merciful to one person is interrupted by someone on the other end of the spectrum in need as well. And because of that, he demonstrates his compassion and his heart and his ability to heal and respond. And he wants us as well. But you know what? If Jesus wasn't out there, if Jesus was elitist, if Jesus just had an entourage that kept the people from him, if Jesus sat on his real holy hill because he's holy and he distanced himself from the people, none of that would have ever happened. And so we're going to look at the story of Jairus and he's coming to Jesus about his daughter. And then we're going to look at Jesus healing a daughter who had been long since hurt. And we're going to look at the mercy that he gives and the peace that he brings about as a result of it. And what I want you to ask yourself this week is one question. Is the mercy that I've been shown evident in my life and how I demonstrate it to others? I want to ask you that. Are you demonstrating the mercy to other people that God has demonstrated to you. Now, for some of us, <clears throat> we might not think that there was a whole lot demonstrated. I wasn't that bad. Then you really haven't been honest with yourself. You were so bad. I was so bad. Jesus had to die to fix it. All of us. But I want to ask that question. Answer it this week. God, am I demonstrating the mercy that you have demonstrated to me, to my world? And before you get all general, I want you to be specific. To whom have you shown that mercy? I don't want to know. It doesn't matter whether I know or not. Who cares if I know? 
you and God knows, to whom have you demonstrated it? And on a regular basis, to whom are you demonstrating mercy towards? And last question, is it the kind of people that Jesus demonstrated mercy toward when he was here? Think about that, because many of us like to deal with people who are in our same boat, people who can help us. As a matter of fact, that was the way back in that time, first century, back in that time, um, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees lived. Their parties and all their things that they would set up were networking type of dinners. And when they invited people to these dinners, they only invited people who could do something for them. And it was the way that they dealt and did their business deals, which is why Jesus talked about bringing in the outsiders and in his stories and in his parables when he shared things and he shared it like that, it was astonishing to them because they would never do it. And so you would never invite a person who could not do anything for you to your dinner parties. You would never invite a person who was not of equal or greater status to your home. And yet when we look at Jesus, the complaints against him were because of who he associated with, not because of his lack of holiness. I know some people erroneously like to say that. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Stop twisting it to make it seem like Jesus was hanging out with the homeboys at the bar having a drink. He wasn't. When Jesus hung out with folk, he knew exactly what he was doing and where he was taking them, but he got to know them. He wasn't put off by their environment, but he wasn't involved in encouraging their environment. And so what we see is a Christ who was with people. He knew how to keep his holiness, yet he knew how to get close. And he knew how to get with you in your mess. And, and he knew how to kneel down and to, and to be able to get you and to pull you out. He knew how to do that. Let me ask you, are you associating ministering to, getting involved with the kind of people that Jesus did if we are his representatives. And don't make the mistake of thinking that Jesus only dealt with those who were marginalized. No, he dealt with them too, but he also dealt with those who were high. And they're the ones that had the greatest problem with him. The people that thought that their status was threatened by Jesus and that if I followed him, I'll lose everything. Hmm. Kind of reminds you of a man who came to Jesus and was feeling the pinch of realizing he needed eternal life, but he wanted it his way. When that rich young ruler came to him and wanted to add Jesus to his list of what he had, Jesus said, you don't add me. I'm everything in your life or I'm nothing. And when Jesus told him what to do, it wasn't so much that he was saying, be poor and you'll be a Christian. That's foolish. We don't see that anywhere in scripture. So when he told him to sell all he had and give to the poor, what he told him is your heart is in the wrong place. And so what is keeping you back, I want you to get rid of. And he was like, not on your life, Jesus. And it says he went away sad, and the scripture explained because he had great wealth. What an explanation. 
is when you walk away from Jesus sad because you know you're not going to get what he's offering because I want what I have more. And let me ask you, are you ministering to the people that Jesus ministered to? Are you putting yourself in positions that he would be in so that you can demonstrate the shalom that he's bringing? Shalom, the world made beautiful, the world God intended. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you showed us, oh God, what you had intended when you made this earth. Father, but you also showed us how it was marred and how it was messed up. And you showed us, God, how it was broken. But you also demonstrated how Christ came to set it back in order. And positionally, he has set it up. He has done it well. He has done it right. And because of that, Lord, we not only have hope, but we have a plan. We have direction. And Father, we ask you this morning that you would help us to be in on your plan, in on your direction, in on what you have intended and what you are doing to make things right. We know ultimately, Lord, it will all be made right. All things will be made new. All things will be fulfilled. Your kingdom will be fully realized and the dominion will be in full force. Father, we understand and we realize, God, that one day, Lord, all sin will be wiped out and eradicated from your presence as we live with you eternally. But until then, you have called us into a world that is lost, that is hurting, that is dying. And you have called us, O Lord, to represent you by bringing peace to our world. And Father, I pray that we see, hear, and understand what that means as we walk with you. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. This morning, I hope, and for those that are watching us as well, this morning you may be in a position in which you hear about this peace and this shalom, um, this absence of conflict along with the presence of wholeness and fullness. And you say, that's not me. I'm not there yet. I don't have that peace. How can I have it? My life is characterized by a lack of peace. And I would say to you this morning that God can bring that peace. It is not built up in some religious system in, in a set of rules, but literally it is, it is couched in this relationship with God that you experience personally just as if you would with someone that you were in relationship with only better. Why? Because God is perfect. And it doesn't mean that you won't sin and you won't fall short and, and that you aren't flawed, but it means that God is changing you and he is blessing you and he is making things right in your life as he grows you up. If you've never made a decision to follow Christ, you can this morning, and it is simple, and yet it is profound. It is realizing that you were born a sinner and there's nothing you could do to change that and that Christ came and died for that sin And because of that, he has made it possible through his death and his resurrection from the grave. He has made it possible that you can live with him in newness of life 
and in a great relationship with him, growing on the regular basis as you turn in obedience to him. And if you've not done that, you can do that this morning. And I just ask that you just, you know what? You just call on God, ask him to forgive you. Thank God for his precious gift in Christ and receive that gift as your own and watch God change you. But this morning, you may also be one that is not demonstrating that mercy that God has extended to you. And I pray that this week that you would allow God to speak to your heart and that you would be that person that demonstrates mercy. If you are in one of our community groups, in your handbook that you have, there is a daily devotional for that week. And I ask you to walk through that. The scriptures in that are profound. They are wonderful. There's also a Bible study that you can have of your own as well. And that study walks you through some other um, scriptures which helps us to understand this whole idea of peace and shalom. And then as we move from chapter one after next week, we will move into chapter two, which is justice, righting the wrongs that have happened. One as a result of sin in the fall, and then the continual sin of man because of the fall. And then we will go on down the line looking at how God, as a matter of fact, let me just read it so that you can, you can hear what we're going to be going through. And I will repeat it each week. This week and next week was shalom, the world made beautiful. Then after that, justice, wrongs made right. The next one is love, the heart of compassion. And we see that. The next one is mercy, hearts made soft. Because that's what God's mercy does. The next one is generosity, stewarding God's money. Because that mercy changes the way you live and it changes the way you give. The next one is reconciliation, relationships healed. And then that last one is diversity, community is enriched. Because of who we are, because of what God has done in our lives, our communities should be singing our praise for how we bring healing, although they may be opposed to how we live because they don't want to come to God. They cannot. No one could argue how Jesus brought, even though they tried to, how Jesus brought healing, how Jesus touched people, how Jesus cared for people. They couldn't argue. They tried to find other ways around that to get at him. But those that he helped understood, even if they didn't turn to him, understood that he was one that brought healing and wholeness. And you and I are like that in this world. People won't like the values that we hold if they are not intending to live for God. But they can't argue with the wholeness and the healing that we bring. They can't. And so this morning, I want us to be able to go knowing that God will continue to bless us. Thank you guys again. I am so glad that we got to be here this morning. I'm going to ask if... Um, if you have not already um, given, there won't be anyone standing with baskets. I know that there are that 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 um, that th there were baskets outside when you walked in. From now on, there will be. If you need to drop off any offering, you you can come back around inside and actually um, drop that off. 
before you leave. But before you come in, if we can ask, if you are going to bring your offering with you to service, we ask that you drop it off before service. We know we have the receptacle that's in the back as you come in, and there will be baskets out as well, and you can do that. And at the end, how we're going to do our dismissal this week um, and, and following is uh, we're going to have one section leave through this door because it leads you on the sidewalk out and the other section leave through the back door and our ushers will actually lead you in that way. If you do need to drop off an offering, we'll make provision this week by each door. Um, but then starting next week, we'll have it out out, um, out, so you can actually um, deposit it before you come in. And once again, thank you guys. I praise the Lord for what we have. Let's fellowship outside and, and have a great time. And I'm, I'm really trusting and hoping that you were blessed this morning and that, and that God has encouraged you and enriched your heart and your life. Go with God. You are dismissed. Can we follow? Um, oh, if this morning, thank you, if this morning you came as a visitor um, and we're asking you um, that we, we can give you one of the, we have a visitor's card, but what we do have instead is if you have your phones and you have a phone with a camera there, if you are a visitor, you can just scan our QR code. It will bring up our visitor's card on your phone. Fill it out, press send, and we will get it. That way it will help us to know that you were here visiting us and, and, and we can get back in touch with you. Um, it also helps us that if there ever comes the time, we hope not that we have to do any contact tracing that will actually help us with that as well. Um, for those of you who are members, don't worry about it. We know how to get in touch with y'all. It's not a problem. But anyway, um, if you are visiting us this morning, we ask that. And now if your phone is not capable of that, just grab a visitor's card. We have a few. Fill it out and you can drop it back off as you come back around in the basket that we have. So I'm going to leave you with our ushers and you guys have a great Sunday.